0: Ellen, tell us, what is it like to be in the country of your original box?
1: Well, it has two sides. On one hand, I really enjoy, to, or enjoy the sense of connecting and centering in my birth roots where I've been born and going back to these roots. There's a different quality in feeling centred here. That's what I noticed. And... I love connecting with my family, but I feel really sad because it is not my world anymore. And it's not, it's, it's, it's so different. It's so far beyond what, what I value and where I am at. And I've joy to see it and sadness as well, that, that it is so different and yeah, seeing Having the consciousness of boxes and seeing them alive so strongly, and where I came from, and yeah, I just had such a déjà vu the other day where I heard my mum saying something in, in a tone that that I know from myself, and I was I was just shocked for a moment. So yeah, it's it's very intense. But I feel a lot more space, spacious, and being here and with the purpose to connect, and especially to them, to my lineage of, of women before me,
2: mm.
1: and, and that having the spaciousness of time is possible. And I, yeah, I feel really, really honoured and moved by by what I'm hearing and what I. What I'm able to connect with with my mom now, differently. So,
3: yeah. Thank you. Hey, go, Ellen. Thank you. Welcome, Brian. (laughs) Go you. Hi.
4: Ah, yes. So it's so
1: cool to see everyone. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah, well, we've been here in this little box on the flat screen. (laughs) We've done 100 study groups now. This is 101, number 101. Believe it or not, we are leaving Kansas. I'd like to explain what that means. Having been born in Kansas myself, which is a state in the United States of America, I have a fond appreciation for the astute observation made by a pretty young farm girl named Dorothy Gale when she wakes up, quote unquote, over the rainbow in the film version of L. Frank Baum's book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. After looking around and seeing strange vegetation, midget munchkin people, wicked witches, and red ruby shoes, Dorothy somewhat nervously says to her little dog, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
2: <laughs>
4: so you too are about to exit Kansas, meaning us. We, we leave behind us discussions of ordinary and extraordinary human relating and cross over into archetypal domains where we will find our own varieties of strange vegetation and interesting elements, including underworlds, upper worlds, the archetypal masculine and feminine, longing, archetypal love, and the possibility of what I have named countenance, elements that come into play as we build substance in the realization of radiant joy and brilliant love, definitely not Kansas anymore. So if everybody could take a deep breath, make sure you have your energetic center located on your physical center, and then click your clicker, Make a grounding cord from your center to the middle of the earth, and at the count of three, please tell me out loud what color your grounding cord is. One, two, three. Orange.
2: Pink. Blue.
4: And make one more click of your clicker, and it's your bubble of personal bubble of space to declare your personal bubble of space. And if you want to, you can click one more time to hold the energetic workspace that the study group can happen in, which is, it's most easy for me to make it when I just make a cube around the entire planet Earth, because you guys are from all over. And then you just, you click your clicker to make that cube, and then you take a deep breath, open your eyes, and it's a... Kind of a celebration that we've gone through ordinary and extraordinary domains, and we're entering this thing called archetypal domains. And I have a feeling we're going to have some interesting conversations in the next weeks about what we're up to here. So, without further ado, I would read a little bit to kind of spread out a kind of a foundation of, of the territory. That we'll be entering together to explore. I'm on page 245 and it says, it's the chapter called Archetypal Relating Archetypal Love. As exciting as this new archetypal domain may seem, the direct physical connection to an unlimited abundance of unconditional love and joy may threaten the foundations of your reality construct. Changing your worldview and your concept of who you are drastically and rather irreversibly. This connection to radiant joy and brilliant love may irrefutably confirm the existence of a reality that you may have only glimpsed before. Part of you already knows it exists, while another part has been avoiding it with a vengeance. Basically, we've been trained to avoid it. And this denying part will attempt to keep you unaware of what it has been doing. The denying part will try to avoid you discovering how it's been blocking your experience of this. So the experience of radiant joy, brilliant love is undeniable because it is physical. The actual experience of it is physical. Yet you cannot adapt to this experience. Instead, it it uncompromisingly adapts you. Or really adopts you. You also cannot include the full experience of radiant joy and brilliant love in your present way of being because it will not fit. It will not fit in your present way of being. Probably, it is too vast and also too different, like a different vibration or different qualities, different intentions. So, So entering the archetypal world presumes that you're willing and have the capacity to be utterly annihilated and then to start rebuilding your world from nothing. Radiant joy, brilliant love is not personal. Yet it arises only through contact with another person and it feels personal. This can be maddening. It can drive you kind of crazy. Encountering unlimited joy and love immediately puts you outside of society because modern society is founded on a belief in the scarcity of love and on the idea that it is possible to be separate from love. Finally, archetypal love leaves you with nothing to do. All is already done. The powerlessness you may sense can be so vast that it may feel like you are being lived. This is like a quote, being lived, rather than merely living. This realization starts you on a journey into territory for which we have not been prepared by modern culture, or schooling, or our parents probably, and is the beginning of radical edge work so i'd like to hear from people about this a little bit as we're beginning the journey into the archetypal domains especially isabel
5: what is especially me
4: your ability to speak about archetypal love as that we're not prepared for it and that it can annihilate you so that you have to start over again. Okay. Anybody? Anybody? I get it. This part of the book, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna read, it, and then I'll be the only one talking. So I'm just gonna read it. <laughs>
0: I'll say something. Oh, good. Mm, I
6: think I have something. And inside of me was, oh, is it right? Is it so? But I don't didn't start to speak, and I would like to try it. And yeah, you said um, to create something new from nothing. And this sentence is what I feel felt feel the last month or since the Gremlin transformation at the beginning of the year. Like my dad is was died in December and it was like nothing will be like before. New new home, new city, um and something on the way, like a new me. And um, yeah, um, I. Somebody said, okay, you can work at my office. And he said, oh no, it's not actually more. And then I was in this new city without a job. And yes, now I'm sitting here without money, with 20 mu- euro for this m- month. And like nothing to have and to have to pay some things with such a much fear and um, to navigate it again and again and to think, how can I be with love in this situation and create a new life? And the last month I died and I died and I died again and again. And this last dying process was like, okay, now it's over. I have no energy to hold something old. And yes, it's on the one hand nice to to be back here. And on the other hand is so much fear. How can I create new money? I go work. And all of this money is out of my um, account because of this um, payments. And it feels like my dad put all of his um, problems with money to me. And I take the decision that it has an end, and that I will find a new way and I see that i I go with it and that I create new possibilities and I felt love from people who said, Okay, and I will give you some money for this, for this, that I can go to some labs or something, and yeah, that's what's actually with me. And I would like to hear possibilities, what I can do to create money, and to be in love with me, and not say, Christina, you should go to some labs, because you have no money, and you were so stupid, and you was on this lab, and Would you do something like this? You have more money now. Yes. Thank you.
4: What country legal system are you functioning in? Please? What country is your passport? What country is your legal system that you're functioning in?
6: Germany. Okay.
4: Okay. Anybody here know about declaring bankruptcy in Germany? Nobody. Okay. Did you understand those words, Christina, declaring bankruptcy? Not 100%.
2: I'm
7: (laughs) not sure. Also, den anmelden, quasi.
2: Oh.
4: Oh. <laughs> yeah, do you have a three cell, Christina?
6: Not actually.
4: A, a possibility team? Yes. Yeah. So, when next time you're in your possibility team, I encourage you to get coaching about declaring bankruptcy and starting over. Oh.
8: Because you don't have to be a victim of all that stuff. Yes. Yeah.
4: Is that enough for right now?
2: Yes. Thank you.
4: Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Christina.
2: Somebody else.
4: I mean, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say a little thing, which is, it's a fine example, Christina, what you just explained of how modern culture wants to occupy our time and energy with those kinds of uh, details, those kinds of problems, those kinds of worries, so that we do not discover archetypal spaces archetypal love because when when you actually start discovering archetypal domains they replace modern culture in your world they just replace it, it has more power more interest more energy it's more engaging it just replaces modern culture so modern culture is kind of protects itself by keeping all its people as occupied and worried as it can in these ordinary things, so that we cannot go into extraordinary and archetypal things. And so, it was a fine example of that. Thank you. What were you going to say?
0: This morning, I got to meet with Sonia Gonzalez, incredibly in Paris, out of all places. And it was, I mean, it was great to um, meet her and have some extraordinary woman space time here in Paris. And one conversation was about the archetypal and especially archetypal space among, you know, between women and something that Sonia shared. And I've had that experience a few years ago. She says, I don't, I don't know if I experience archetypal but when clinton and i give example in the study group she says oh, i've experienced this but there's a thing in her that she keep she kept saying but i I'm, I'm i can't i'm i'm not allowed it's like i can't really be an archetypal and so we were having this conversation about so why why not and um you know one of the, the belief is that you know in terms of since so you've been born catholic is you only experience archetypal after you're dead. You have to wait until you die. Okay, You have to wait until you die to go to paradise, and then you get to experience archetypal. But as a human, it's not allowed. You're just a mortal. It's not allowed to experience paradise on earth. But something else she said was, it's it's supposed to be hard. Like, I'm supposed to suffer to get to the archetypal. So you can imagine Sonia carrying her cross across the hot desert before she get, how do you call it, impaled in it. But this is the map in terms of what partly, in terms of the kind of map we've been given about archetypal, I think those two are big maps. Archetypal only happens after you die. In any way, you have to suffer to get there. And and those are they're they're erroneous. Do you say that? Erroneous.
2: Erroneous.
0: They're not accurate maps. I have found. Because. Because. mm, How do you say it's it's very simple, but it's it's because the suffering is really a story. I mean, suffering is really a story that human beings made, of on top of pain. Mm. But I think mostly the the lack of experience of the archetypal does not come because we haven't suffered enough. It, it comes because we're just not educated. Like, we're just not trained. We haven't had training. We haven't... Nobody's told us. No, no, you know, and... Especially, I notice like being here in 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 Paris and more emerged in the ordinary culture, I guess it's what Clinton was saying is like we're so occupied by other things that the possibility of the archetypal is not even on the horizon, and so you know who is doing that research, which is different, really different from. A spiritual research. Like the, the archetypal is not a spiritual path as it would be defined, I guess, by some religion or spiritual path. Like it, it is accessible as human beings. Just as just just being human and being adult.
4: I'm, like I'm gonna spin off what you said, okay? But... The other night, and Chloe and I were strolling around at evening time through certain parts of downtown Paris, we ended up at the Louvre and approaching it from a different angle than I've usually approached it, which means through the large buildings that they've constructed. Um, And the Louvre used to be the king's palace. Is that right? And so this thing... It was evening and and there were not so many people there. So it was like walking through this massively artifacted architecture with these Greek or perfect triangles and so many sculptures and symbols from ancient Egypt and just the space itself. The whole thing is archetypal. And as we approach through the hallway and open up into the space where this giant pyramid made out of glass is, it's all an archetypal space, but what's happening in there is skateboarding. That's what's happening in the space. People are doing roller skating, skateboarding. Nobody can sit there and relax or be present to what's going on because you get run over or used as an obstacle in a skateboarding slalom and... So And there's dogs and kids and whatever. So so, so the, human, the humans are taking an archetypal domain like that and shitting on it, essentially, to make it uh, comprehensible for them or inhabitable for them. If it was an archetypal space, the people could not inhabit it because they would have no relationship to the archetypal nature of the space. There's a song by Paul Simon, I don't know the name right now, it's probably called, could be called Baby in the Bubble. There maybe might be another song. But it's a song where he's feeling like a, a stranger in a strange land. And he's walking through, and he feels like cattle in the marketplace. There's all these people, you know, pushing this way and going that way. And he's in the crowd of people, and he feels like a cow in the marketplace with all the other cows until he looks up. And sees angels in the architecture spinning in infinity. Hallelujah. And he finds that the archetypal is in fact alive. But it's not ordinary, it's not normal, it's not ordinary. So I love that song because of that, because it's just a reminder that we can find extraordinary archetypal, we can find the archetypal and the question is can we inhabit it can you inhabit it yourself and can you relate in the archetypal domains so this is this is where we're going on this part of the journey so any any some other comments from anybody as we're getting getting ourselves together to start on this adventure
7: so what i observed in my life is on how i so far interpret as archetypal is when I'm creating art and something appears and I have the thought that is not coming from me, who creates this, where's this coming from? So it feels like it's not made by me, it's made through me. That is one um, uh, category where I experienced that. And another one is by um, in teaching when I say to my students things, I never, I I didn't know that I I know it. I can't remember that I read it or learned it by myself. They are just coming from somewhere else. And uh, this experience through me for a specific purpose is for me very common, but what you, read in the book before in in this creating archetypal love and um, starting from the nothingness I had two interpretations the first interpretation was from the nothingness then I have no idea, I have nothing under control and there was immediately fear and the other interpretation was but relating for me often is so painful because all of these emotions and all of these fucking experiences where it doesn't work, where just relating really doesn't work and I have so much fear of of human beings that I saw this chance if, if there is nothingness and they don't have all the shit and interpretation and I don't have all this shit and interpretation that there is a chance in it and immediately came the fear but 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 who's who will come to me to create from nothing and then there was the fear that if there is no one else and it's not under my control if there is something who wants to create that with me then what then how can i create that so both interpretations end up in fear and in sadness Thank
8: you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mark. We about to say something. Yes, thank you. All of these people are touching on what I want to express, and the tricky part is to use words to to express it. Um, There's a sense. Of being in patriarchal culture and trying to transition to archetypal. And I would love to, I learn by witnessing, experiencing, and practicing what I've witnessed. Um, it's really hard when I'm starting with a blank slate because I tend to limit myself. So, what I'm and, and my limitations are based off of my past experiences. So there's a way in which how do I get from here to there? And how do I do it l- alone? Because the concept I have is that once I take myself to archetypal, then I will find someone else who is also experiencing archetypal and we can connect, but that I can't do that from here. So those are. Those are my current challenges. Thank you. Thank
5: you. Thank you. Two days ago, I made a process where I found out that I have this immense fear in myself to fail. Of of failure. So if I fail, I will die. And yeah I did this process before of owning everything that I want to own like i own i own a church i own uh a, a, a bird like everything around me it I belong to it, and I don't have to do anything about it and I saw that this this failing has also to do with who 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 decides that I fail or that I'm not failing who is deciding it and what is failing in the end and this is really the this failing thing is really stopping me from from entering this archetypal domain because it's because every time when I want to go, I want to do something that I feel, okay, this is it. I feel fear of failing. And I experience sometimes this archetypal domain when I did this good girl busters with Uh, Eva, where we had the the experiment was to nourish one body every week. And in the end, there was the archetypal body. And doing this nourishment every week, it was easy to access this archetypal body. Because I, I, I did experience this weeks before how it is to nourish my intellectual body, my physical body. And then it seems like, okay, if I nourish, if I'm nourished, it ca- came natural. And I, I, I was just practicing centering and and being bubbled. And my question, or I'm with what I'm sitting, is how I can maintain this, because I made that experience, and now a lot of things happen, and yeah, how how can I stay with that?
4: What did you come up with?
5: not not running away from my fears and I was not conscious about that I was running away from my fears it was just happening so fast and then and then my my gremlin took over and then I did not notice that I was running away from my fears. And now I'm I'm practicing this really to to fear what do you have for me?
4: Yeah. Great, thank you.
5: Thank you.
4: Uh, I just want to mention that those kinds of fears that you talked about, Isabel, are perfect doorways for emotional healing processes. The fear of failing, for example. And it may have layers. So if you did one already, please, if it's still, if the emotion comes up again, the fear of failing, that's just the next layer. That's all. So they're not, they're not always so easy you know, in terms of being simple, but they have layers. And they can even have up to seven layers as far as I've discovered so far. So just go to the next one.
0: I also recommend, I think we when I say we, Clinton and I haven't really talked about it enough called this process called mimetic engineering and it has to do with getting a grip, let's say transforming your mimetic construct and mm. Um, And if you have a mimetic construct, you know, which could be your case, Isabel, you know, it could be just an old decision, you know, I'm a failure. You get, like, and that would be handled by an emotional healing processes and you would shift your decision, get a new identity, and you'd be on your way. You know, and it could have processes from past life that could have layers, things like that. But what I notice is when somebody has a construct and they start doing emotional healing processes, they sort of moving around the construct trying to find a crack in the construct but the thing actually never really goes away until it is handled until it is cornered you know in english it's i don't know how you say that differently until it's you know um you see it really basically and and then you can then you can make a new decision you can exit the construct Mm, it takes some skills to hold space for mimetic engineering. There's about three people in the world I know who can really hold that space, including Clinton and I, and a woman called Ana Nora Buena in Brazil. I'm wanting to train other people.
4: New Zealand.
0: Sorry, what did I say? Brazil. Oh, uh, Sorry, Ana Nora Buena in New Zealand. Um, because Because after, especially for people like us who've done a lot of work, who've done you know dozens of emotional healing processes until the the core construct is not touched upon it it will it will block like it will stay there and it will block and basically you're you can experience extraordinary at the edges but not as a, the thing that's central central to your life not your being is not at the center of your life your construct is still at the center so,, mm, you know, start the emotional healing process, and if you if it seems like it's just not being taken apart, consider mimetic engineering.
8: Yeah Thank you. Thank you.
4: This book was published, I think, in 2007. It's so seventeen twenty seven. It's almost, you know fifteen almost twenty years ago, and I've I've talked to different people who said they've they read the book, yet when I actually talk to them, I they admit after a while that they actually read two thirds of the book, and they didn't really make it through the last part of the book. Now, I was just checking, actually, where we are right now on page two hundred and forty-six, and before you know, the, there's a actually a distinctionary in the back and an index in the back and all this stuff in the back. But if you get to the last part of the of the actual contents of the book, it's about we still have two hundred and forty pages to go, so we're really about halfway through the book, and so the book is really. It's a lot about the archetypal but that's the place where most people stop reading they get part way through you know get to this part and they just uh, don't make it so did any of you ever make it through the whole book I mean I did okay well, all right okay well if for, as if you want she four read time. it four <laughs> times Ingrid oh <laughs> Ingrid. <laughs> Maybe that's more than me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! What Ingrid? What made you read the book four times?
9: Uh, Each time I read it, I discovered new facets. Each time, each time you discovered new facet of the book. Yeah and each time I read it, I learned something, so I started as a new person.
0: Yeah, each time you learned something, so each time you started as a new person.
4: Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay, then. I, I get a new perspective on that. Wow, I, I'm not sure what I went to, what I meant to say by that—that that people make it through two thirds and then, then often stop partway through. But, gosh, it's like this stuff is there. I mean. It's, a, it's an invitation. There's this huge invitation because we're designed to inhabit and function, to create in the archetypal domains. We're designed for this. It's not, it's not a, such a strange thing. And yet, not much of the, our surroundings or not much of our culture, not many of our friends are there to support us in the, in the hobby it's a hobby of entering and creating in the archetypal domains. There's not so many people interested in that hobby. I mean, here you are, we've got 12 people about right here. So that's a good start anyway. So don't don't hesitate to communicate with each other or to really rely on this team as your kind of community or team of archetypal domain explorers, okay, because stuff is going to come up, stuff will be coming up, and and great, and that's why we're on this journey, that's what we're, we're doing it for, we're not doing this because we're already masters in the archetypal domains, we're, we're doing this because there's an invitation, and the door is open, and we're designed for this, and we have some kind of interest in it. Somebody else wanna say anything? That I'd like to hear from a couple more people as we're forming. I, I just
10: suddenly had, I, I suddenly had this this uh thought around the archetypal domains as as being a uh a, a place that only a few of our society have been able to play in, so to speak, to to um to work with and and i and i think of of the uh, whether it's the rosicrucians or the um these the these these kind of societies that understood something different than than the rest of society is, am i am i on the you know like is, is 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 that something about the archetypal domain is that yeah
4: having not Uh, studied the Rosicrucians or other secret societies very much. I mean, certainly I have been looking for guidelines or guidance in those domains because the doors were open enough and I was an explorer enough to go into those domains. And I was discovering things I could not find very, I could find only very little and oftentimes kind of, implied reference to so in my all my research in the secret societies and witchcraft and what's that other stuff called the esoteric and spiritual and there's more these kinds of domains magic you know sorcery this kind of all those all those all the research i made in those domains I found about zero corroboration. The only the only actual uh, resonance I found in in anything turned out to be, and we'll, it's, I think it says it in the book. We'll get there in the book, but it actually has to do with early early first century Christian. Uh, love feasts that were occurring in the catacombs for a while. At the very beginning of the early Christian love feasts in the catacombs, there was some literature that, which I could never find again, strangely enough. Uh, I think people were somehow afraid of sharing whatever they could find about it. Anyway, I, but it was, there was some resonance there in what, But what became obvious was that the love feasts were quickly, you know, they did not drink water, they were drinking wine. And so as soon as you have your first glass of wine, the alcohol demons come in and take over the space, and it became an orgy instead of an exploration in the archetypal domains. So it was just destroyed right away, almost as soon as it was born or discovered, it was destroyed in that game world, in that early Christian game world. Yeah, and I... And I did not find it in the Tantric or anything else. Like no other place have I found anything. So, so I, was,
10: I was curious because you said that when you were walking through the buildings around the Louvre, that you, you saw these symbols of. Yes. And where I kind of, that, like, yeah.
4: Yes. So the map is not the territory. You know, and so they were drawing maps. You know, they're using architectural structures as maps. And so, what interestingly enough, I think the map can reflect the territory, even to somebody who's never discovered the map before, or did not draw the map. But there are people, but the map makers, you know, the ones who had this esoteric symbolic knowledge of whatever they were studying, I don't think it gave them access to archetypal domains otherwise we would not have uh the kind of governments we have today on planet earth we just would not have those they would not have been able to take over so there's not much you get what i'm saying that
10: well the map is not the territory yeah so yeah there's there's the symbols that pointing to the archetypal domain but they're not they're the, the,
4: but I'm suspicious the they could not occupy the territory. sadly. but
10: so I'm trying to grasp it. I, like it, it's it's uh, yeah, and Chloe, you said it well at the beginning your, your conversation um, around it has to be you have to suffer and it's something that you you get to after life. It's like, yep, I I definitely can relate to those, those, those assumptions or those beliefs. So yeah, I'm I'm grasping at it.
4: Thank you, Catherine. Just to let you know, we've exited. We've exited the ordinary and extraordinary parts of the book, and we're we're sticking our first toes in the archetypal part of the book, and we read some of it already, and then we're considering that, we're just considering the archetypal. So people are sharing about questions and discoveries or anything like that. There's a couple more people. It would be great if they would speak.
3: Yeah. yeah. I knew you in 2007, Clinton, and I haven't read to the end of the book because I didn't have the matrix. It's taken that long in my own system to Get to the wild ride I had with Gabrielle a few weeks ago, where now I know, love isn't for me. I can source it for spaces, and um, turning up here last Thursday night late, and then really cavitating the culture I want to live in, and none of the old bullshit story of oh this is James's place. It was like. Pfft, I went and owned the kitchen. And like Sonia was saying, last visit, last study group. And a bit like a really old movie called Babette's Feast, I created a feast when I claimed possibility management as my tribe at the lab in, in March 2019. I did it this last Saturday and created from... Who I am, and it was such a joy creating the energetic space, the archetypal space, the physical space. So, yeah, go and own, cavitate the culture you want to live in.
2: Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank
10: you. Briar, are
4: you were starting to say something.
11: Yes, the discoveries I've been making um, on this call this very early morning, and it's I'm just looking at my book. There, the sense I'm getting for myself around the archetypal space is, I not only have a part of me stopping myself from entering the archetypal domain I'm stopping myself from identifying it so even when I'm in it I don't know that I'm in it and because I'm relating from a different lens I'm relating from this lens of fear and that is distorting what I'm seeing or what something that was mentioned earlier, which was taking an archetypal domain and making it comprehensible as using my current lens, making it understandable. I'm looking at this. And so I go, that's, that's what I understand. And beyond that is this, this big unknown. And that's really where the fear, fear lies or my, my fear lies is beyond my comprehension. And to go there is it's a it's a dangerous exploration i really enjoyed the archetypal domain explorers title it's a title i would like to uh to you know put on my badge um yeah and to explore those unknown territories i keep thinking of the ship going you know along the ocean back in the day when they didn't know there was the earth was round or flat and that was a really scary concept i can imagine that would be a very scary concept and just to have the anticipation that you might fall off the face of the earth that's how it feels sometimes when i look at that unknown space that i'm heading towards or heading around i don't even know what direction i'm going in so that's what I'm I've been really taking in, listening to everyone. Thank you. Thank you.
0: In the call, I think. The so the
11: last word. word again, taking in what? Taking what taking in what everyone has been sharing. Mm-hmm. Great, right,
0: thank you. Yeah. You see no, I just want to are you calling you calling from New Zealand,
3: Australia?
11: New Zealand. Great. She's my new troll,
3: but she's not a troll. As a gorgeous woman like this, last week's troll was here, and this is one, one per week at least. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you, I, I didn't never thought I would say this example, but I'm thinking of the second or third, whatever or fourth. I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean movie, where they are taking their pirate ship and rocking it until it flips all the way over, and they find themselves in a whole new world. And it's in a way the world operates differently, has different laws of physics, almost has different purposes. And of course, they don't explore those things; they just make a slapstick comedy out of it. But the the multidimensionality of the universe is rather well known it's you know it's our our universe is famous for being multi-dimensional and so uh, we're not taught about that in ordinary ways and so yet we have the senses to perceive sort of what spaces we're in and also to navigate and cavitate and inhabit other spaces and so uh yeah i just we're opening up those capacities in ourselves so that we can be in like a physical space where other people are inhabiting the ordinary world or maybe the extraordinary world and you have this ability to source, like Janet said, to source an archetypal space for you and somebody else and or maybe a couple other people without having to – you know, destroy the rest of the spaces. You don't have to conquer or destroy the other spaces. And then what you're up to will probably not be visible to the people in the extraordinary and ordinary worlds. They just won't even notice what you're up to. And it probably won't even bother them that they don't even notice it. So it can bother you. I mean, the way it bothers me is. Basically, how few people are doing that, you know how few people are bringing that potential alive in their in their daily life, and so but that 's mostly the way that it bothers me just that there's this huge potential that 's not being called forth is there is anybody else would like to say something right now about as we 're doing getting ourselves together here
0: i would I would add maybe one of the beliefs about the archetypal you know along with the ones I mentioned earlier in the call and maybe this idea that um like a belief about how it would feel like what would be the experience and maybe it would be a belief such as it would be this infinite bliss something like that and that's only if you're in infinite bliss then you're in the archetypal and in my experiences it's really useful to be able to feel all four feelings and to be able to navigate those four. Um, And, and even if it's called radiant joy in in the book, that joy is, I would not equate it to one of the four feeling of joy. It's a different kind of joy that includes all, all four feelings. And, um, and so as I'm adding as one of the beliefs that it's not just this pink bubble of, bliss yeah in terms of looking it's like what you were saying but yeah it's like looking how do i it's a sensation it's an experience it's an experiential distinction it's a different space it's a different universe and how to even notice it and so if you're looking for the bliss probably it's a, you're looking in the wrong direction
5: like that. thank you I remember that I was part of the ATB uh, last year, and we had the exercise to have a being-to-being connection with the other person and to have an extraordinary conversation. And um, I did not notice how tense I was because I felt fear. Okay, now I I I. I would talk from the unknown and, and Lisa came by and made one simple move. Ah, I remember also that we put our box in our hand. We shrinked our box and put it in our hand like this. And the only thing that Lisa did is she touched me and, and how she touched me, it was obvious for me that she was. Bringing my attention to my tension that I had in my body. And it was not possible for me to shrink my box down with so much tension that I had in my body. And when I, when she did this, and I, and I noticed this, I entered this extraordinary conversation. With the person in front of me. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one or two more other people. People didn't speak yet.
12: I, I'm not sure.
4: Um. That's good. I feel glad about that. um, It might not be okay in your home culture to not be sure, but in the culture we're headed, it's a fundamental beginning point about not being sure.
12: There are two situations in life. And... I'm coming out from a space where I hold space for six people or we, together with six people, we are, we did uh, anger work. And an hour before I had a coaching with a volunteer. She's coming from Hong Kong and her necessity or what she was moved with was, what do I really want? And I went into this direction of telling her, Hey, there is something like an archetypal body and an archetypal ego state. And through the anger work, she realized that she suppressed her feelings all the time. She, she didn't feel and, and. And I'm standing here, looking or witnessing these things happening, and I'm aware. Oh my God, I did something. And she will be here in in more three more mini, uh, three more weeks, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I, I feel fear and I feel sadness about this witnessing what is possible in, in, in such spaces. And I don't understand what is happening because it is for each person, it is individual. And I, I, I will keep exploring. And and I sense my uh, structure inside of me. Oh my God, well, I, I don't want to make something wrong, and feeling fear of bring her into a bad situation.
4: Yeah. Could you, uh, Katrin, just make sure you have a a little 3-cell about that. You can get a couple other people with you so you feel like you have backup. Because you're, you're doing a culture-to-culture conversations. And uh, Hong Kong is in, needs vast healing. The people in Hong Kong need huge amounts of empowerment and healing right now. And so it would be great for you to have some more backup with that. So, and
12: what do you mean by that?
4: I mean, by, I mean, get yourself a three cell. Do you know what a three cell is?
12: Yes, I I have different three cells. Okay. So this would be a space holder one. It would be with people
0: who are also holding space for EHPs and rage work.
4: Okay. It would maybe temporary for as long as you're with this this person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and keep sharing what you learn.
2: Yeah.
0: But and a and a hint is you can you sort of relax into echo, you know, what is this person doing in glancing, you know, and meeting you yeah. as you're, you know, as you're empowering yourself to hold that kind of space and transformation. Yeah. So you can breathe into that also. Yes.
2: Yeah.
12: Yes. Thank you.
0: Thank
4: you. Yeah. You can let the game world itself provide context you know, where, you, where it's not about just talking, you know, you go sit on a bench in next to one of those little gardens in the forest, you know, stuff like that. Good. Anybody else? Somebody else?
2: Yeah. Hi, it's me. Leslie, hello. Hi, I just came back from ETB and a lab in and- California with Vera and Evan. And um, I had a a peak experience of, there was a lot going on and it it was not easy at all. But there was a moment where where I um, was doing a process about wanting to get it right, wanting to say it right. And if I didn't, I'm nothing and I was crying and I was feeling my fear and sadness about it and then all of a sudden I'm like, What am I gonna do? And then I said, oh, I'm gonna give it up. I'm gonna give up trying. And it was I just had so much joy about that as a possibility. I've certainly thought of this before, but to feel it in my body, it was, it was was a thrill and it it just lightened me up a lot. And I think I have more access to my feelings than I have in some of the other spaces. So, yeah, thank you. Thank
4: you. Thank you. Anybody else?
13: Well, I'll speak since I haven't spoken yet. Uh, I <laughs> I'm doing what I can to be in the extraordinary, <laughs> so I, and I'm just and I'm in I'm enjoying that, and uh, occasionally I might step into the archetypal and enjoy that too. And and what I'm really what what's important to me. Is that woodpecker is putting holes in my house? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious.
4: Shot he
13: just started pecking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of a metaphor, isn't it?
2: <laughs>
13: oh. So um so yeah, so it's really important to me not to judge where I where I am or because I can do that really well. And so just to take one step at a time in whatever direction I would in, in the directions that are important to me and yeah. And go at my own, I go at my pace and, and also push myself in the groups that I'm with the support of the groups that I'm in. Yeah. So, so for me, I, I just feel like I'm going to be on, on this I'm going to learn about the archetypal. I'm going to learn more about the archetypal as we read about it and explore it. So, and hopefully it'll kind of rub off on me. Kind of like the <laughs> extraordinary, <laughs> kind of like reading about the extraordinary is rubbing off on me. So, so, you know, one
4: step at a time. That's you know, perfect. Thank you, folks. It's really, it's really how it goes. I, mean, I I, maybe all of us, but I particularly can remember yeah. hearing about stuff that I never heard about that was possible to even hear about before. And it just made, there was no place in me for that to land. And then I hear, a couple of years later, I hear about it again. You know, and then it goes, oh, I heard about that before. So then there's a place for it to land, but I didn't understand it and I could not use it. You know, and then the next time I hear about it, it's like, oh, well, okay, and then the next time Somebody asks a question and then I can even talk about it. And then I learn about stuff that comes through while I'm talking about it. And then it's like that. It just happens on it, at its own pace. And that cannot be forced. I'm, it's just a horrible thing to try to force that. And then it just cannot because matrix is required for that stuff to land in us. And so, yeah. But it's still, if I never made the first attempt to be in these spaces where people were talking about stuff i never heard of before... The process would not have started, and so as uncomfortable as it was, or confusing as it was, and and it's even just to be clear in this space, you know, no question is stupid. No question is to kindergarten or whatever. There's all questions are allowed. So please, everybody, you know, ask questions as we go through the pages of the book and the distinctions and the examples, because it will it will bring it more solidly for everybody. So they, if you have a, an urge or a question or a puzzlement or whatever, just put your hand up even before you know what you're going to say, and we'll we'll go there for a while. That's what this is for. So thank you for saying that, folks.
0: Something that, you know, about what you you said, Phyllis, about this thing of, you know, judging ourselves or beating yourself up or um, – something that came up also in this space with this morning with Sonia it was very productive. You can see, um, um, was about this. We are noticing this, um, this strategy of trying to, to control our ordinary parts or like our survival parts and to judge them, to try to stop them, to like being like, what's my purpose? You know, like who's talking, you know, having this like rule bound, monster inside of us trying to control these ordinary part of us with the with the hope that then we would get to the extraordinary or that we would get to the archetypal if we could finally put a you know a grip on
4: a muzzle yeah Yeah.
0: yeah, a muzzle on the box and gremlin part of us and and then what we noticed was okay but that makes us completely dead trying to trying to what was it it's like trying to manage the thing that's managing us
4: keeps you in the ordinary yeah
0: it's like it's like putting like a box on top of a box or something like that try to yeah grip the box and 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 then the question was okay well what how do you access you know how do you live in the art you know the extraordinary even the archetypal if you don't get a grip on your gremlin you know because the gremlin will come out and create low drama and be adaptive and have survival strategy and the box will and, and that was really this discovery of it's a whole other universe that it's it, it is not when it is not about like trying to manage the ordinary is not, is not the path to the extraordinary But it, it, it works in a different universe and it It takes different resources. Like it takes different um, relationship to the world or something like that. And the the, the boxing gremlin comes along in the extraordinary. It just has different uses. And we, like I have a different relationship to my boxing gremlin in the extraordinary than I have in the ordinary. And even I have a different relationship to my boxing gremlin, even in the archetypal, than in the extraordinary. And I think, especially in the archetypal, the gremlin needs to be completely awake and completely present, and not at all muzzled and try to squeeze it down and pretend to not. We don't have a gremlin. So it was. It was just a, an amazing, an amazing conversation. Yeah.
2: Amazing discovery.
0: An amazing discovery.
13: Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
4: Interestingly enough, the next section in the book, section 8A, on page 246, is you cannot get there from here. Cannot get there from here. We may as well get straight to the point. You cannot shift human relating, whether are ordinary or extraordinary, into archetypal relating because they exist in completely separate domains. In each moment, we're creating either human relating, ordinary or extraordinary or archetypal relating. Each operates under its own set of laws. They do not blend or mix. We cannot be in one and in another at the same time. Consciously or unconsciously, we choose and commit to human, extraordinary, ordinary, or archetypal through each move, each gesture. Even the tiniest actions determine your choice. The idea of shifting relating to archetypal relating You know, ordinary human relating to archetypal relating is like the idea of shifting the board game of backgammon into painting oil portraits in the style of Monet. It's, you know, it's a completely different domain of operating. Like, in order to start oil painting, you and your partner have to put down the backgammon dice, fold up the board, put the game away. Then you can set up an easel and a canvas and choose your brushers and arrange your partner into a pose and mix your colors and start painting their portrait. It's a completely different domain. Backgammon and oil painting function entirely differently from each other. So they have a different point of origin and a completely different... Way of going. So the same is true of human relating and archetypal relating. You know, the book is saying human relating is being ordinary and extraordinary, and archetypal is not personal. So saying it's not human. So the differenti- differentiation is between human and archetypal,
0: there, which is really personal and impersonal. Or, yeah, yeah,
4: personal and impersonal. There is a quantum separation between them. Neither form of relating is good or bad. They simply produce different results. When you develop the sensitivity to notice a difference between human relating and archetypal relating, you gain an option that you did not have before, the option to create archetypal relating. So if you, if you don't have the sensitivity, you can't really do it. You can't make the shift. So you're trying to sense the difference, and that gets the doorway. That's the doorway that opens this up. Before making the distinction, you had only one possibility, which is the ordinary, extraordinary, human relating, whether ordinary or extraordinary. So it's like that was our only option before. And actually, before we did all the work in the middle of the book, our only option was essentially ordinary, human relating. That was our only option. And like Phyllis was saying, She's, she's, it has rubbed off on her. You know, she's been practicing. She has distinctions. She can try new things that she could not do before, and that is a whole different, different territory. So the same thing's about to happen again in a in new domain. The answer is, let's see, is that right? The possibility to create archetypal relating opens up an entirely new universe of additional experiments for you to try just like the possibility for oil painting opens up an entirely new universe of experiments to try in addition to those in playing backgammon. But how do you begin with making experiments in archetypal relating when all you have known before is human relating? The answer is to take responsibility. (laughs) Taking responsibility means, and I I would probably add in radical responsibility. So taking radical responsibility means no longer acting as if you are a victim of the conditions of your upbringing. And this is a big deal for us modern people because... Oh, you know, ever since Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung and all these guys came along and developed psycho- psychological processes and like all this kind of stuff where there's more and more language and distinctions about trying to, you know, go through your inner child healing and all these inner and outer relating things. Like It's, it's, it's like people can spend their entire lives entangled in their upbringing. Do you know what I mean? There's really so many people, and if you insult them about wherever they are in their process of healing their upbringing, you know, they cut your head off, something like that. And so you have to have this kind of, you have to honor people's people's where they are in their process of handling their upbringing. And it's like, dude, get over it, you know, drop it. Like, (laughs) Like there's a whole other domain, this whole other way of being in the world, besides being involved in healing your 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 upbringing you know it's over and so so this is the thing about taking responsibility means like no longer acting as if you are a victim of the conditions of your upbringing. And this is a radical thing to say, whatever your parents or grandparents demonstrated to you or did to you, or did not do to you, is no excuse. No excuse. The fact that you may have been, in some ways, abused or abandoned or betrayed is actually irrelevant.
8: <coughs> can't talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> me <Hold on>. neither. <laughs> too much background.
4: <laughs> Wait a second. Let me do it. Okay, the fact that you may consider yourself to be insufficiently loved is no contributing factor. The fact that you have a tender, sacred place within you that has never before been awakened and caressed is no hindrance. The fact that you do not already know how to create archetypal relating does not matter. This is good news, eh? (laughs) So we begin experimenting in archetypal relating by taking responsibility for our present perception level and our present skill level with regard to creating, to, to relating. It is not our parents' fault or our society's fault for determining what we do not see and what we cannot do. Taking responsibility means claiming that the quality and level of perceptions and abilities that we have so far developed has not depended on our circumstances. This is such an empowerment to get free of your circumstances. We You are now and have always been at source for what you perceive and what you can create out of what is there around you. Taking responsibility at the source level gives you the possibility of expanding your perceptions and abilities so as to create a different kind of relating taking responsibility for being where you are is the foundation stone and the always present starting point for being able to create something other than what we are creating right now. You know, there's this saying in possibility management, something completely different from this is possible right now. It's a central, it's a core element of possibility management. And that's what this is talking about is how do you get there? How do you get to the place where you kind of walk through the world representing this thing, that something completely different from this is possible right now? And this is it. It's through taking responsibility. You're not blaming it on your circumstances. Because I'm just going to read that last sentence again. It's kind of long. Taking responsibility for being where you are is the foundation stone and the always present starting point for being able to create something other than what you are creating right now. Through taking uncompromising responsibility, you suddenly stand at the gates to the kingdom of archetypal relating, whereas before, you could only access human relating. Through taking responsibility for previously blocking your own perception of the gates, you discover that the kingdom is at hand. Does anybody get a chill down your spine when you hear the phrase, the kingdom is at hand? (laughs) I remember when I first heard that, my whole, everything changed for me. Everything changed for me. The kingdom is at hand. What a cool thing to discover. And it's not, you cannot discover that in the ordinary or the extraordinary domains. This is a thing you discover in the archetypal domain. The kingdom is at hand. You cannot shift even extraordinary human relating into archetypal relating. To start doing experiments in archetypal relating, you call upon your discipline. And you decide to step out of the world of human relating and begin completely afresh, right now, each moment, in the world of archetypal relating. The procedure for this change is responsibility. This book is only about taking more responsibility. End of section. Anything about that?
5: Yes, I have a question. Maybe this has nothing to do with this, but what is, like, can I have two purposes? Like my gremlin's purpose and my being's purpose at the same time? For example, I'm holding space. And my being has the purpose of transformation, and my gremlin is having the purpose to. Wait, wait, I, I, wait. Okay.
4: Go ahead and say okay. what you're going to say.
5: To be admired.
4: Can I say one thing? Yeah. Which purpose prevails?
7: Mm-hmm.
5: What means prevails? Wins. Has majority vote. No transformation.
4: Well, not necessarily. It's possible. Okay. You get what I'm saying. I'm gonna do. Yeah, something. I'm get what you're saying. But Really, I want to be admired. Which one wins?
8: What were you gonna say?
0: Same thing. You only get one arrow. Oh wow you only get one arrow and this idea that even if you have a zoo inside of you you only you cannot say my gremlin like my gremlin did this no you, you did this and so it's a useful distinction to distinguish the parts but you only have one arrow
4: do you get that Isabel?
0: yes
8: go ahead Mark I have a gremlin epiphany <laughs> the gremlin can listen to my box or to my being, it's going to act either way. It's which one's going to win out, as you just said, which one's going to be the arrow. So I want to be directing my gremlin in ways that benefit me, as opposed to my box, which is still working out the old strategy. So, right, my box is just like, it's like, we didn't do it that way before. That's dangerous. Let's do it the way we did it before, over and over and over. And if that's what's talking to my gremlin, grandmother, my gremlin's going like, okay, no new things, Then We're not going to go and try something different because the box says we didn't do it before. So it's a wrestling match for me <laughs> to be like, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do something new. We haven't done it before. It's going to be okay. Yeah, and this thing that Aunt chloe said is really...
4: Useful, which is just simply you need uh, you need a transformed gremlin at your side to do this stuff. So if you're still having this kind of inner argument stuff, mm-hmm. it's it's just not time. Right, you're, you're not ready. It won't, it won't work. It won't stabilize.
8: Well, there's also what and Chloe said earlier about the memetic engineer. I need to find the construct that I'm working around. Yeah, because my EMPs are all. Rounded circles. So, Ingrid, go ahead.
0: I'll translate like each sentence. Oh, like, yeah. um, sorry, complete.
9: First, I want to say something to Isabel. You want to say something to Isabel? Yeah. Now, always separate purposes and, yeah. The better I know the purposes of my part, the better I can choose my single arrow. There's
0: there's always multiple purposes, and but when
9: you sorry the moment the moment you know your purpose, the better I know the purposes of my part then I can mm. choose my um yeah,
0: the moment you know the purposes of your different parts then you can you can draw the error.
9: Yeah and I have the choice. And you have the choice. Yeah. you choose yeah yeah Thank and you. the other thing I want to say yeah when you read Clinton about human relating and archetypal relating, when when Clinton you,
0: you make the difference between the human relating and the, and the archetypal relating.
9: You understand personal and impersonal.
0: And And, I said, and sorry, I said the difference is personal and impersonal.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
9: And I discovered last week something about personal and impersonal. And last week you made a
0: discovery about this difference between personal and impersonal. Yeah. The words
9: are suggesting that personal and impersonal are on the same level.
0: The words are suggesting that personal and impersonal are on the same level.
9: And they are not. And they are not! Yeah, I suffered from taking, I suffered a long time from Taking things further than
0: You spend a long time taking things personally. Suffering.
9: A suffering. Yeah. yeah. And to step to the level of uh no no longer taking things further. Is another level. Yeah, and the, to shift this
0: level of not taking things personally is a complete other level universe.
9: Yeah, and and it is an uh, human and archetypal-related is the same difference. It's the same difference
0: of the human relating between the human relating and the archetypal relating. Yeah.
9: And saying simply, no taste. things first is it's not as easy <laughs> because you need to switch the point of origin in another dimension. And to say just no, thank you, you know, oh,
0: no, oh I'm not going to take things personally. To just say that is not as easy as we think, because because it really takes to be in this
4: other dimension, this
0: other dimension, in this yeah. other level. It's yeah. to shift actually to do
2: yeah. it is to shift,
9: yeah. And to shift the point of origin to shift the point of origin yeah into the archetypal into the archetypal yeah
0: yeah Yeah. i just want to say ingrid here on the call i think we can really understand you well but it's people for the who listening to the recording they can't see your lips they can't see you they're not getting the full so
4: yeah yeah I'm so rich for it. <laughs> rich in me. <laughs> so Ingrid this last thing you said about relocating your point of origin to the archetypal is a big deal, and it might not be written up in this book because we got more clarity about the point of origin after the book was published and so be while we're on this even though it's far far ahead of where we should be. I just want to suggest as an experiment this assertion that I can make, you can make, a person can make. You can step out of bed in the morning or you can walk through a doorway and say from this moment, for the next hour, for the next three minutes, you can make this assertion. You can declare that you can relocate your point of origin to the archetypal and you and you essentially, it's like it feels like pulling a large brown carrot out of the ground of where your point of origin is, and then and put it in the archetypal. But if you don't know where the archetypal is in that moment, which it will be like that way when you start, you don't know where it is. So it's actually like uh, like almost like fishing. You take your point of origin. And you cast it ahead, over there, somewhere into yeah. the archetypal. You, so this is one of the freakiest things you can <laughs> do for yourself because you have no idea where your point of origin is going to land out there. It could be, you know, this crocodile that you know ate Captain whatever his name is in the
1: Captain Hook. Captain
4: Hook. <laughs> yeah, no, the crocodile that ate Captain Hook. You know, he could be out there eating your point of origin. So, but you can you can do this. I encourage you to do experiments like this, like once a day, cast your point of origin out there somewhere and declare it is into the archetypal, and then you get sucked along with it. It's like taking a big sandbag that's tied to your ankle you know, and throw it over the boat and whoops, you go with it, and you follow that you follow it to where your point of origin is and keep breathing that's the point is you just pay attention, stay with it and improvise so if your point of origin actually does land in the archetypal you will be amazed like there will be the sense of awe and just get accustomed to having the sense of awe as your new state become make make awe your new ordinary like your new your new home and then improvise because you will not know what to do so and especially you can do this meeting new people. It's really a fun experiment to do at parties or just meeting new people, strangers. You just walk up to them and cast your point of origin into the archetypal and introduce yourself from an archetypal domain, which means you probably won't use your ordinary name. You can just say, hello, I'm a genetic I'm a medic engineer. I'm a transformational circle alchemist. How is it going? And you you can start there, and the, the the entire interaction or or space will unfold, and you don't ever have to go home, you know wherever home used to be, you don't you don't have to look you know like the the pumpkin that was changed into the yeah. coach in the Cinderella story, you know, and the clock strikes twelve and everything collapses back in. That's not true. You don't you don't have to go home. You can stay in the archetypal as long as you can stay there. So there is not a time limit or some, some function that's going to drag you back even if you don't want to. So these are some really powerful and, you know, archetypal experiments to do that are quite stimulating. And, you know, people look at you and you're going, going, you're looking around and then you go like this and, you know, people go, what are you doing? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, right. Dive in, and it, you don't. You just go. <clears throat> you don't have to explain what you're doing. You know, you don't have to just. You just start over there in the archetypal, and and it's going to take hundreds of times. Really, you have to do that hundreds of times. So this is a fantastic new beginning. Thank you, Ingrid, for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with this thing about the your point of origin?
9: Good. I, I, I am back with my husband, I mean, and you're back with your husband. Yeah. So, I'm you talk, and I'm a different person. I'm a different person.
2: Yeah.
9: yeah I noticed that I have changed, and because of that, he needs to change too. Because you have changed, but, then he needed to change too. Yeah, but I have changed and I am very uh, attentive not to apply anything or any old habit of my wrong, on my women on my child. Oh my pound.
0: to and to not apply any of your old habits on your, your gremlin, your
9: child, your parent, your box. Yeah. So I need to throw out my point of origin. So you need, so,
0: so you did throw uh, out you Yeah, you throw out your, your point of origin
4: out there.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Thank
2: you. <laughs> I feel so alive. <laughs> I feel so alive, yes. <laughs>
6: and thank you, Ingrid. And I would like to say something to to this point. And there was a situation with the... Yeah, woman from my team and from my old three cell and she knows what words could hurt hurt me and she was saying exactly this words to me and I was so inside of me that I could see okay it's just her gremlin that's not her herself and two weeks ago it hurts this words I told tell her and because the pain was so, so big with another person. And now she copied this words and say it to me again. And I was so inside of me that I could make, um repeat the sentences. And don't go on this low drama and just saying, I'm in love with you. And I was fine. And I am fine with this situation. And I can go with her. And I... Glad when we meet each other at the next team or something. So I am really fine, and that's so different like before. Yes.
2: Thank
4: you.
6: Yeah. And yeah, I will go out now because I'm over.
4: Okay. I need
6: a break. And thank work. you for this one.
4: Nice work. Thank you, Christina. For Bye.
6: Bye.
4: Bye. Uh, Great. I'm hesitating to jump into the next section because it's kind of a big section. Well, it's a big topic anyway.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: Didn't write so much about it. <laughs> no, not
4: yet. we okay. so have 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Does anybody want to say anything right now? Maybe. Go ahead. So, I'm
2: like
1: a, I'm like a kid of uh, about six years old uh, with a group of adults <laughs> because I don't understand everything you, uh, everybody say, but uh, I'm glad to be here and uh, and to to share uh, what
3: uh, what everybody has to say. <laughs> Thank, Thank you.
0: you. Welcome.
3: Thank you Anybody
4: else right now? Anything else? I mean, I didn't really mention it, but this the kingdom is at hand is a a key phrase that you could do as an experiment in different situations where you might be feeling in scarcity or you might be feeling not not fitting in, or you might might have a sense of there's a conflict or any of these kind of circumstances if you bring that forward in the space that you're in and you stand in this space that the kingdom is at hand, your priorities will change. Your values will change. And when you do that, the, the what's possible changes. And so the things that would encourage you to react or play small or be a victim, or all these invitations to participate in gremlin feeding, for example, just will not be so interesting because the kingdom is at hand. And so if the kingdom is at hand, will you turn away? Will you go somewhere else? It's There's a scene in the Doctor Strange movie where he's first trying to find the the, the old one, the wise the one, one, the ancient one. And he's in Kathmandu and he's desperate and he's at the door and he knocks on the door and they they bring him inside for a little bit and show him some stuff and then they throw him out they throw him back out the front door and so it's clear to him it's undeniable that the kingdom is at hand but he's outside the door so if he went into a victim role if he if he was going into the rage, you know, he starts going into rage and he gives up, or um, there's all kinds of things he could leave, he could a- abandon himself, he could he could, re- yeah, he could resent, you know, go into resentment. He goes through all this basically, and and he finally sits he leans with his back against the door. He kind of sits there, squats down, and 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 leans up against the door and sort of falls asleep. So he's asserting, he is saying the kingdom is at hand behind that door. The kingdom is at hand. It's right there. And he puts his whole self to lean up against the door so that if the door happens to open, he will wake up again. He, he will fall through into the space. And that's, if, if the kingdom is at hand, you can arrange to do that. If the kingdom is not at hand, you cannot arrange to do that. So it's an, it's an incredible... So, since you can get from this space to any other space, you can get from this, the whatever space you're in, to any other space, because between each space is a gap. If there was no gap between spaces, there would only be one space. So it's ob- there is a gap between spaces. So... What is in the gap? What's in the gap? The door. What is in the gap? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) It's a gap. There's nothing in the gap. That nothingness next to the space that you're in, that nothingness there is the same as the nothingness in every other space. So if you want to get from your space to any other space, you only need to go into the gap, and then you are next to every single other space there exists, anywhere in the great labyrinth of spaces. Which means you can get to anywhere from here, which means no matter where you are, the kingdom is at hand, if you remember if you understand that, if you assert it. So from wherever you are, the kingdom is at hand through the gap that's between your space and any other space.
3: This I've is- taken a song I used learned when I was a young girl, and it was about going to tell everyone the news that the kingdom of God has come. And I've been walking around singing the news that next culture has come. So- <laughs>
4: Does the can you make the melody work
3: of course, yeah, he sent me to give the good news to the poor. Tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more. Tell blind people that they can see and set the downtrodden free. And go tell everyone the news that next culture village has come. And go tell everyone the news that next culture has come. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I really did sing that on here, didn't I? <laughs>
4: there's <laughs> There's so few next culture songs but now you know yeah. how to get warm anyway yeah. <laughs> the new kind of heating I can <laughs> <our> water bottle you <laughs> 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 oh, we'll
2: we'll,
10: let it, we'll edit we'll the um the recording of this and just cut that piece out and put it on a separate <laughs> <laughs> thank you that
4: was
3: my swamp song but I'm not doing that
4: now <laughs> no there are not enough uh, next culture songs yet so we need them so thank you very much that's cool we can steal other songs and really repackage them
3: I'll swim, sing my swamp song and put it on one of my one of my websites all right okay. all right send
4: us the link okay <laughs> great <laughs>
13: I wanted to say something about um, when people speak to us with their gremlins, and can that's a. I,
4: can you say I when people speak to me with my gremlin? When or their gremlin? To,
13: okay, when people speak to me with their gremlins, it is an opportunity, and to to then use the skills that I've learned and and to step into a different space, and so. So actually, I would instead of walking away feeling hurt or whatever, I I would thank them, say thank you. That really gave me an opportunity to, lot <laughs> you know, do X, Y, and Z, and 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 really mean it too, because yeah. that's the only way that I'm going to learn is by practicing the skills, and in real life, you know, in real time. Yeah. So. And, and you know, and I also want to say that, you know, when I worked with kids, that's exactly what I would do, is I would push their buttons on purpose, and they knew it. And sometimes they could use the skills, and sometimes they couldn't. And, but that was, that's how they, that's how they learn. That's how, they really appreciated that. Wow. Yeah, and so... I would say the most horrible th- things to them, you know, yeah. that I knew that push their buttons from their parents or, or their teachers or whatever. And they may not like it in the moment, but as they start getting the skills, they say, thank you.
2: Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: None of this snowflake parenting.
2: <laughs> child raising. <laughs>
4: So I was a little afraid, I must admit, to begin to enter the archetypal domains in our study group, because this knowledge I had that people would stop reading the book about now, and yet the the territory that we're entering is just so exciting to me, and it seems like it's exciting to you guys too, so I'm feeling glad about being here. And and Chloe was just saying just the other day, she said, you know, we've really covered territory to go through the ordinary and extraordinary domains mm-hmm. to get here. Mm-hmm. And it's huge. These are these are worlds. It's like the whole, you know, sometimes in the Lord of the Rings movies, they show you these maps where there's this whole continent, you know, and the trail goes around through all this. And then you take a boat over to the next continent. And it's you got to go through all this and it's like that. We've been doing these huge journeys, these kind of really what do you call them? The, the, the ancient Greek mythology journey, mythological journeys. Yeah.
0: Marathon. No. <laughs> not. not a
4: marathon. Anyway. So so odyssey. yes. <clears throat> an Odyssey. An Odyssey. Uh, yes. We've been on an
9: uh,
4: yeah, uh, uh, Odyssey. This weird is gone. <laughs> weird places. And yeah, so so good. So anybody else anything? I think we're gonna cool it for right now. I think that's enough for our first adventure in the territory unless somebody else has something else they wanna share. Okay. All right. Well, wait a minute. Here we go. Oh, there she is.
2: Yes. I am in a car and I, uh, uh didn't want to disturb. Huh?
4: I hope you're not yes. driving.
2: I'm not driving.
4: Good. I'm do with my mother and my brother here. Study group while you're driving. Do not do that.
2: <laughs> go ahead. I arrange for maximum privacy, but my impression is that, uh, All of the hundred uh, sessions before were the preamble. And this is the the, uh, precipice of the new adventure.
4: Okay. Thank (laughs) you. This makes total sense. The preamble has been spoken. The the meeting now begins. The kingdom is at hand. Have a great week. See you next week. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye everybody.
5: Bye. Thank you. This was a perfect meeting.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Thank you. Bye.